welcome to Front Range. My name is Ernest Smith. I'm the lead pastor, and we're so grateful that you're here. Whether you're joining us in person, some of you are, a bunch of you are in the courtyard, uh, and a bunch of you online as well. We're grateful to have you. And man, this is, uh, this is a fun Sunday. We call it kickoff Sunday. What are we kicking off? I don't even know, uh, but we just like to have fun. So like football is kicking off. Georgia's 2-0. They'll be, I think they're ranked number one already or something. I don't know. Uh, but we just like to have fun. Uh, so enjoy the festivities. Our hope and prayer is that you'll build community, discover purpose, and grow in your faith. And today it gives us an opportunity to, to build community with one another. And uh, my prayer is that this message will challenge all of us uh, to grow in our faith. I had a guy right after last service. Um, uh, he's uh, uh, probably the oldest gentleman in our church. And he said, man, thank you. That was a huge challenge to my faith life. And so that's my prayer is that all of us would uh, be challenged today as well. I, I do want to highlight, obviously, 21 years ago, um, our nation changed forever. Uh, and there's a, a lot of lives that were impacted in a great way. Our nation obviously was impacted in a great way. And, um, and so we pray for those families. But I also want to say thank you to uh, all the military and first responders, uh, police officers, firemen. Fire, uh, man, we're just so thankful uh, for everything that, that they do. <clears throat> How courageous they are. I, I have the privilege of uh, being one of the chaplains for the fire department here. And I get to watch their bravery every day. Uh, and their willingness to run into uh, any situation to serve people and to care for people. And so we're so grateful. I uh, also want to let you know, in three weeks, we're starting a new series called For the Church, For the City. Uh, don't miss this series. Uh, it's going to be, uh, in my opinion, one of the most important series we've ever done as a church. Probably the most important series we've ever done. Not only are we going to look at God's word and how it relates and parallels to the culture that we're in right now. Uh, but we're also going to be looking at what do we need to do, what steps are we going to be taking as a church for our future home uh, and what God has for us. So don't miss it. Even if you're on vacation or you're sick at home, we have a ton of people every single week that watch online. Uh, so you can do that. Just don't miss a week. Uh, trust me. Uh, is going to be uh, really good, and you're going to want to know what God's doing uh, with our church. I'm excited about today, and I just need to know if I'm in the, the room with the right people. How many of you, by show of hands, how many of you say you, you play the what-if game in your mind? Like, what if this were to happen? What if, okay, m most of us play that. Like, and the, the what-if game usually rolls something like, what if I lose my job? Or uh, what if I can't pay my bills? Or what if my health declines? Or what if these people win the election? Or what if these people win the election? Or, you know, for me, I've played it. Like, what if these people never come back to church from COVID? There's still people that, that, that aren't willing to engage the church yet. I'm like, will they ever re-engage the church? Will we ever get a future home for our church? And here's what I've noticed about the what-if game. The what-if game is almost never positive. Right, like you don't sit around thinking about like all the what if positive things that could happen. Like what if a friend of mine won the lottery and gave me half of it? You know, like that would be, that would be amazing. Or what if, what if my kids actually listened to what I had to say? That would be a novel idea. Can I get an amen from any parent in the room? You know, or what if, you know, what, 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 whatever it may be. What if the Broncos actually have a winning season, you know? That would be awesome. I mean, so like our what-ifs are almost never positive. They're almost always negative, and they usually lead us down a dark path. Right? Like, so like my what-ifs, like what if I lose my job, then, then my, kid, my kids are probably going to need braces, and I won't be able to afford their braces. And if I can't afford their braces, then they're probably never going to get married. Then they're going to live in my basement the rest of their life. God, please no. Like that's, that's where I go with the what-if game. Like it's never like a positive direction. It's always this negative direction. And here's... The problem, here's the challenge for me. I've realized that the what-if game is really just a display of my lack of faith in God. 
And when I start thinking about, well, what if this is going to happen? And what if this is going to happen? What about this? And what about that? Then it's really a display of, man, I don't trust that God's in control, that God is good, that God loves me, that God is powerful, that God is faithful. I'm not trusting those things. And can we just be real honest? How many of you would say it's hard to trust God sometimes? Anybody admit that with me? The rest of you are the liars. <laughs> right? It's hard to trust God sometimes. I'm a pastor. And this is my job is to help people trust in God more. And it's difficult for me sometimes to trust in God. I'll hear people say, well, man, it's hard to trust God because, because I can't see him. I mean, I can see a lot of other things. I can see, like, the chaos in the world around me. I can see the political divide and the racial divide. And I can see how crazy people are. And, and I can see my bank account going down. I can see all these things, but I can't see God. So it's really hard to trust him. Or some people say, well, it's hard to trust God because, like, the one time that I did, the prayer that I prayed, God didn't answer. And so if God doesn't answer my, my one prayer that I prayed or my prayers that I prayed, the way that I need him to answer, the way I think I, I need him to answer, then... Maybe he's not real. It's hard to trust him. I'm, I'm excited about this series because we're calling this series In God We Trust. In God We Trust. Here's what I need you to do. I need you to, everybody with me, take a real deep breath. Ready? One, two, three. All right, let it out. This series is not about money, okay? So rest easy, okay? This series is about how do you and I trust in a good, loving, faithful God. Like in the chaos that we see, I think right now in the world that we live in, people are longing for someone to believe in. They're longing for someone to rise up and be like, I trust you. I can trust in you. We're longing to place our trust somewhere. At a moment when discord in this country is reaching a fever pitch, this series will cut through the noise. And every week we're going to look at how do we practically, scripturally trust God. Before we move forward, I just want to pray for us. So let's pray. Father, we come before you and I thank you so much for this day. I thank you, God, for what you've already been doing in our church. I thank you for what you're going to do in, in this moment right here. And we pray, Father, you would just meet us. God, you know our names, you know our stories, you know what we're dealing with. So I pray as we walk out of today, Father, there will be a greater level of trust in you and how good you are and how powerful you are and how faithful you are. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, today, here's what we're going to do. We're going to, uh, we're going to talk about two prayers that you can pray to build your trust in God. Okay, these are prayers that I would encourage you not to, like, wait till you need to trust in God, but I would start praying these two prayers today to start building this foundation, this greater foundation of trust in him. We're going to look at Luke chapter 5. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Luke chapter 5. Luke is uh, uh, in the New Testament, kind of toward the beginning of the New Testament, but closer to the end of your Bible. Um, if you don't have a Bible, man, we'd love to get you one. Pastor Mike just talked about how generous this church is, and because of your generosity, and we're able to just give Bibles away to anybody that needs them. So you can go to our Connections tent um, and just grab one. We don't need your name. We don't need money, nothing like that. If you're watching online, let us know. We'll send you a Bible. Uh, we're also going to have it up on the screen if, if you need that as well. So Luke chapter 5, let me kind of give you some context here. Jesus has started his public ministry, but he hasn't invited the 12, all 12, to start following him. He's by the, the, the lake at uh, Gennesaret, and there's two boats uh, sitting there. And he goes to one of them. He just starts, he sit, gets in the boat, some random boat, and he starts teaching people about God's word. Now these boats, they, they're owned by fishermen. Where are the fishermen at? Fishermen at? They're, they're off to the side cleaning their nets. What we're told about them is that they've had a long night of fishing and they've caught nothing. 
Okay, now these guys, this isn't like their recreational hobby. Okay, this isn't like me going out fishing for fun, which I don't do because it's not fun because I'm not good at it. Okay, this is like their livelihood. This is what these guys do. This is how they provide for their family. And they've caught nothing all night. So imagine that. That's kind of how where, where they're at right now. They're cleaning their nets. Jesus gets into one of their boats. He starts teaching the people, and that's where we pick up with the story. Luke chapter 5, verse 4 says, When he had finished speaking, this is Jesus, he said to Simon, who we know is Peter, eventually one of the disciples of Jesus, he said to Simon, Put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Now stop right there. He says, Let down your nets. Say that phrase with me. Let down your nets. So he tells them to do this, and they're thinking, man, this guy must be crazy. I mean, we're the professionals. Like, you're, you're a rabbi, you're a religious teacher, and you're telling us how to do our job. We know what we're doing. We've been doing this all night, and we've had no results. Now you're going to tell us to get back into the boat with our nets that we just cleaned, and then we're going to drop, drop the line? Like, this sounds absolutely ridiculous, but Peter responds with honor. Look at verse 5. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I'll let down the nets. He says, this seems ridiculous. I mean, we've already been doing this and there's been no results at all. But then that phrase, but because you say so, we're going to do this. Sometimes God asks us to do things that seems ridiculous. Sometimes he asks us to do things that, that are countercultural, that go against the norm, go against what, what feels right or what the world tells us or maybe what our upbringing has, has instilled in us. Sometimes God tells us to do something that just seems ridiculous. He says, don't worry about tomorrow. How can I not worry about tomorrow? Like that's all my life is, is, is worries, is pray for those who persecute you. But God, you haven't met my coworkers. You haven't met my neighbors. You haven't met my family. Like, like surely you're not asking me to pray for them. He says, don't lean on your own understanding. But if I don't lean on my own understanding, how are the bills going to get paid? How am I going to make the money? Like sometimes it's hard to trust God when you can't see him. Or sometimes you, you don't feel like you can feel him. Like he's, he may not be answering your prayers in the way that you want. And you're going, God, where are you? I don't understand why you're telling me to do this. And this is where the first prayer comes into play. The prayer is this. Lord, help me to obey you even when I don't understand. Lord, help me to obey you even when I don't understand. Look back at, at Simon, Simon Peter in verse 5. It says, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. It's like, Jesus, come on, man. Like, we've already done this. We're the professionals here. We know that there's not, you're asking us to go back to the same spot. There's no fish there. But then he says, but because you say so, I'll let down the nets. Because you say so, because you're God, because you're faithful, because you're all-knowing, because uh, you are, are good and you know exactly what to do. You know where the fish are and all of that. I will obey you. Peter's obedience teaches us this, that you don't have to understand completely to obey immediately. You don't have to understand completely to obey immediately. Now, what if Peter had played the what-if game? I'm, probably, I'm, I'm pretty sure he probably did. I mean, he's human. So it's like Jesus says, hey, come in the boat, man. Take me out a little bit deeper and let's drop the nets. And he's like, man, seriously, I just washed the nets. So what if we don't catch anything again? Now I have to go wash the nets again. I'm going to be late for dinner. My wife's going to wonder where I am. And I'm sure my mother-in-law is going to get involved. Like this is not going to end well, Jesus. What if he would have played that game? But he chose not to. Why? Because he knew that he didn't have to know the end of the book to start in the first page. He didn't have to like know what the end score was going to be to watch the kickoff. All he needed to know was who was the author of the book. Who's the one who knows the score at the end of the game. 
Like God knows everything. So he just knows, okay, at the end of the day, I've just got to learn to trust in him. One of the first passages that, that I memorized when I first came to faith is a passage you've probably heard before. Maybe some of you have memorized it before. Um, uh, it's Proverbs 3, and it says this in verse 5, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways submit to him and he will make your paths straight. Man, this verse is easy to memorize. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. This verse is easy to teach. It's easy to preach. It's a whole lot harder to live out. You see, that Hebrew term to trust means to be confident, to be secure, to be safe in. He says, be secure, trust in the Lord with all your heart. So that means on the mountaintops, trust in the Lord, and in the valleys, trust in When everything's going well and, and, and you feel fine physically and your health is good and all of that, trust in the Lord. And then when your health is deteriorating, you're getting negative reports, your relationships seem to be in chaos, trust in the Lord. And here's what's fascinating. The author of Proverbs, when he writes this, he's given us a word picture. Because that term to trust in the Lord, the, the, the word picture there is actually to grasp onto. So he's saying like to, to be confident and to be safe and to find security in is to grasp onto the Lord. But it's really hard to grasp onto something when you're already holding onto something else. Like it's really hard to grasp onto the Lord when you're holding onto your own power, your own ability. It's really hard to grasp onto safety in God and trusting in his faithfulness and his goodness when you're trusting in your power, you're trusting in your ability, you're trusting in your wisdom, you're trusting in your money. It's one of the reasons why I think God says, hey, give back. Like financially give back to me. Why? God doesn't need our money. God's not like, man, I'm really broke. If I can just like create this Ponzi scheme where people just give me, like God's not doing that. God's like, I need you to trust in me. And he knows that money is one of those things that we grab hardest to, that we hold on to the tightest. And he's saying, okay, if you're holding on to that, you can't trust that I'm going to provide for you. You can't trust in me fully if you're holding on to this other thing. So let go. What do you have to let go of? You can't trust in God if you're holding on to trust in yourself. Trust in others, trust in your abilities, trust in your power, trust in your job, trust in your money and all of that. You have to let go. And you let go to hold on to him. Hold on to what? Hold on to his promises. Promises like stop worrying about tomorrow. Instead, cast our cares upon him because he cares about us. Or letting go of my control and trusting that he's working all things out for good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Or, uh, man, I'm going to let go of the fear of, of loneliness and being alone because I'm going to trust that my God will never leave, you, love, never leave me or forsake me. I'm going to let go of my doubt that my God doesn't care about me because I know that he draws near to the brokenhearted. That he saves those who are crushed in spirit. Let go of my understanding, my abilities, my worry, my doubt, and hold on to his promises. Like Peter, God said, hey, let go. Like put down these nets again. Just trust in me. Even if you don't understand, will you trust in God? Will you trust in what he says? Will you say, because you say so, I will trust in you? When we trust in him, oftentimes we see miracles. Look at the, the rest of the story, verse 6 and 7. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. That's a lot of fish. Verse 7, so they signaled their partners in the other boats to come and help them. And they, began and, fill, and they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. I, this is crazy. That's a crazy amount of fish. 
Like they've called nothing all night. And now Jesus says, well, just get back in the boat and let's drop it over here. And they're like, this is ridiculous. But because you say so, that's fine. And they start, they can't even pull it up. They're like, hey guys, come help us. Now both boats are starting to sink. What a miracle. And look at how Peter responds. Verse 8, when Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. He realized he wasn't just in the boat with a rabbi or a religious teacher. He was in the boat with God. God had just done this miraculous miracle. And I love the end of the story. Verse 10, then Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. They left everything. Say everything. You know, I looked up the Greek of what everything meant. You know what I found? It means everything. What does it mean to leave everything? It means everything. I mean, these guys, these weren't just, these weren't just nets for these guys. Like, they didn't just have nets. This wasn't a recreational thing. Again, this is their livelihood. This net represented everything. This is how they fed their kids. This is how they took care of their spouse. This is how they gave back to God. This is how they contributed to society. This is where they found purpose. This is what they were known for. Their identity was wrapped up in a net, and God says, let go. Let go of everything and come follow me. What is the net that God is telling you to let go of? Is it security, retirement, your bucket list, your anything but this, God? I'll give you anything that you want but this thing. What is that thing? What is God wanting you to trust in him? At first, God tells you to let down your nets, to obey him, even if it doesn't make sense, even if you don't understand. Then he tells you to let go and to come follow him and trust him with everything. That leads us to the second prayer. The second prayer is this, Lord, help me surrender to you what I have. Lord, help me to surrender to you what I have. Let me let go of my plans, my dreams, my desires, the things that I, I thought would happen for my life or my family or my business. Let me let go of all of that. Not saying those things aren't important. But let me let go of it so I can trust in you and what you want. How does that look? Well, for me, I've told you guys about my family. My family gives me great sermon material. I'm sure they love it. And my son, his name is Wyatt, and he's 12 years old. I think we have a picture of, of him and I. And I've talked about Wyatt multiple times. And uh, every time I do so, I want to make sure, and, uh, and Sarah helps me with this, I want to make sure that that I talk about him in a way, and both my kids, in a way that if they were to listen five years from now, 15 years from now, 50 years from now, they would feel honored. Well, Wyatt, he, uh, he's got some challenges. He's got autism and sensory processing disorder, dyslexia, ADHD, and some anxiety stuff, and just different things. And man, it's hard. Like, it's really hard. He struggles a lot. He struggles with thinking that he's never good enough. He struggles to to fit in, he struggles to find friends. I have just like one friend at school, he, he does and says inappropriate things just because he's trying to like feel like everybody else. It's really hard. This kid, he has a heart of gold. Like he loves so many things. He loves people, he loves his family, sometimes his sister. He loves animals, he loves aliens. Like he loves history, he loves to read. He loves all kinds of things. He's incredible. 
But have I said that it's hard? Like raising a kid with special needs is really, really challenging. And there are many times where I'm going, God, what are you doing? Like, does God have a plan for why it's life? Of course he does. Is God writing the story? Of course he does. But sometimes you can know those things intellectually, and it doesn't mean it makes it any easier. There's many times I'm crying out going, God, what are you doing? We've, we've tried everything. I mean, we've, he's gone to therapy. He's gone to counseling, OT, PT. Uh, Sarah was on essential oils kick for a while, so our house smelled really good, but it didn't really work. Uh, gluten-free stuff, dye-free. I mean, like, we've tried every. Some of you are like, well, have you tried? Respectfully, yes, we probably have. And it's really hard. And sitting in IEP meetings, begging God to do something in his life, begging God to, like, bring him one friend at school, just one. My daughter has, like, 400. My son struggles to find one. Begging God to not get a phone call from the school today, not get a phone call from the school this week. Just asking him to show up. And I'll be honest, there's, I still pray for his healing. And I don't even know what that means. Like what does it mean for an autistic kid to be healed? I don't, I don't know. I have no clue, but I pray for it. I have to get to this place daily. Sometimes it's like minute by minute. God, I don't understand, but I'm going to trust in you. In the times where I want to have control and I want to control his circumstances and I want to control his behavior and I want to control his outcome and all of that, God's saying, let go of the net. I want to be able to proclaim what King David does in Psalm 20. Love this passage. Verse 7, he says this, some trust in chariots and some in horses. But we trust in the name of the Lord our God. Some trust in chariots and some trust in horses. What does that even mean? Like I don't have a chariot or a horse. This was their, this was their livelihood back then. This, was, this represented their power. This represented their wealth. This represented their prestige. This represented their security. This was everything that we look for. So if you want to transfer what we do or, or, or take over, that's, this is our bank account. This is our 401K. This is our medical report. These are the ways that we try to gain prestige or we try to gain power or we try to protect our family or we try to gain security or whatever it may be. He says, some trust in those things, but I'm going to trust in the name of the Lord our God. I'm going to trust in him. Today, if you find yourself in a place where, I mean, it feels pretty hopeless. It feels pretty dark. Maybe you've cried out and you just haven't seen some of the prayers that you've been praying answered. You're like, God, where are you? Maybe you're without hope. You're not sure what's going to happen in your marriage. You're not sure what's going to happen in your family, in this relationship, in this job. I want to remind you, when did the miracle happen in the story? It was at the end of a very disappointing day. It was when all hope had been lost. Where these guys thought, surely tomorrow can't be any worse than today. Can we just get to tomorrow? Like surely it's got to be better than this. And that's when Jesus did the miracle. And so if you're in that place and you need a miracle today, maybe it's in your marriage. You're kind of at the end of your rope and you're not sure 
what else to do. Maybe for you, it's in your health. You feel like every time you go to the doctor, you're just, you're just bracing yourself for negative news. You're just waiting to hear whatever it may be. Maybe it's in your family. Maybe you've been trying to get pregnant and it's in this journey of infertility and you're crying out, God, come, like you tell us to multiply and we can't. Please show up. Maybe it's in your family if you've got a kid with special needs or maybe it's at your job. Or name the place where you need a miracle. Can we pray these two prayers today? Can we be like Peter and the rest of these guys at a, the end of a very disappointing, hopeless-filled day? Of God, I'm going to be obedient to you even if I don't understand. I'll let down the nets. I'll do what you tell me to do, even if it doesn't make sense and it goes against culture and it goes against my upbringing or what makes sense or my security, my desire for these, whatever, I'll let down the nets. I'll be obedient to you. And then, God, I surrender everything that I have to you. I'll let go of the nets just to follow you. And I don't know what that means for you. I don't know what that looks like in your situation, but my prayer is this, as you let go, as you stop grasping onto control in whatever area of life. Here's what I found. The, the more we need a miracle, the more we try to grab a hold of that, the more we try to control it. You found that in your life? But it's like the reverse. Faith is the reverse. The more we need a miracle, the more we need to let go and grasp onto him because he's the only one that can show up. He's the only one that can do what we need him to do. And so as we pray these two prayers, so we say, Lord, I'm going to be obedient to you even when I don't understand. Lord, I'm going to surrender all to you and ask God to show up in your life and in my life and do the miracle that we need. Let's pray. Father, we come before you and I thank you so much for your word. I thank you for the story of these guys and how these fishermen one day were not expecting this miracle. How they just showed up and and things were not going right. Things didn't seem to be fair at times. And in all their expertise and all their wisdom and all their experience, they couldn't get the results that they wanted. And then you showed up. And Father, for some of us today, we've come into this place. Maybe we've been living our own life, doing things that, the way that we think are best with our control our wisdom, we think if we can just do this right here, then we'll be fine. And we're realizing, man, it's just creating a lot of stress. It's, we're tired. We're at a place where we're saying, God, I can't do it on my own anymore. And honestly, I know it doesn't feel this way, but it's the best place for you to be. Because it allows you to be at a place where you go, you know what, I'm going to let go so I can grasp onto God. So if that's you, if you came into this place, you'd say, man, Ernest, yeah, I've been doing this thing. I've been living this life on my own power, my own strength. God is telling you today to come home, trust in him. For some of you, maybe that's a first time commitment. It's saying, okay, I'm gonna trust that Jesus is who he said he is, that he died on the cross for my sins so that I can be forgiven, so that I can be made whole. Maybe you want to give your life to Christ. Or maybe, maybe you've done that before, but 
because of pain, because of time, because of the challenges of life or whatever, you've just kind of grasped back onto the things that you knew, the things that you have been taught, the thing the world tells you to grab a hold onto. And God's saying today, let go and turn back to me. So if that's you, with every head bowed and eyes closed, if you'd say today, man, I want to commit my life or recommit my life to Christ, I just want you to raise a hand. I want to know who I'm praying for. Amen. 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 If you're watching online, you can simply text the word follow to the number on the screen. I want you to know that God sees you. He knows your story. He knows your name. And he loves you deeply. And this decision you're making right now is about turning to him. So God, we need you to show up in our lives right now. And then, God, for all of us, I pray, Father, you would tell us what our next step is. God, what we need to let go of so we can trust in you, so we can grab a hold of you. God, we need miracles. We need you to do something in our lives. God, I pray for those right now who are needing a healing in their marriage or in a relationship. God, we pray for that miracle right now in Jesus' name, that you would bring healing right now, God. You would give revelation and wisdom and grace where it needs to be. Father, I pray for those right now that are struggling with infertility, God. We pray, Father, that you would do a miracle right now in Jesus' name. Father, we've seen you do it and we're asking you to right now as we let go of what the world says and and what we think is best and we turn it over to you, God, to say just guide us and direct us, Father. Please, God, do a miracle. Those who need it in their health, Father, we pray that you would heal them right now in Jesus' name. Whether you do it by doctors or you do it miraculously, Father, we pray that you would speak into them. We pray that you would touch their bodies in whatever way needs to be touched, God, so that you can remove the sickness in Jesus' name. Father, for those who are struggling with their kids, whether it's because there's special needs or something else is going on, God, we pray that you would intervene, that you would step into that situation, Father, and you would give us wisdom and discernment. God, give us peace as parents and grace where we need it. God, help us to lead them well toward you and you alone. Father, be with us. Tell us what our next steps are now. In Jesus' name, amen.